Hello and welcome to Blowing This Joint, the chronic illness podcast for and by the chronic illness community. My name is Kerry White from the Chronic Homestead. Thank you for joining me. Welcome back, Bendy friends, to episode two of Blowing This Joint. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about myopathic EDS. So we're following along still with the prompts from the Earless Dunlos Society for EDS Awareness Month, which is the month of May. And the prompt for today is shine a light on a type of EDS. Now, I imagine a lot of people will be talking about the type of EDS that they have, uh, possibly talking about hypermobile EDS. Now, while it's possible I may have hypermobile EDS, I'm currently diagnosed with hypermobile spectrum disorder, which is still in the connective tissue families and still considered part of the EDS family itself. But I wanted to focus on myopathic EDS. Now, myopathic EDS is a very rare type of EDS. It occurs in less than one in one million people, so it is literally one in a million. Uh, As we go to, as recording today in April of 2023, As far as I know, there is only 21 people worldwide currently diagnosed with this condition. Now, that's not to say that there are not more people with this condition, but there is so little known about it that that's all we have actually officially diagnosed at this time. Now, myopathic EDS does have a lot of overlaps with other types of EDS, including you know, hypermobility, some skin stretchy, sort of doughy skin, uh, that sort of stuff. But there are some specific myopathic EDS criteria. Usually the major criteria is, is what sets apart different EDSs. So we'll go through those. But just to start with, what is myopathic EDS? Well, the name itself suggests says myopathic. Now, myopathy is muscle weakness. So in myopathic EDS, you actually have a weakness of your muscles itself. So it's not just um, not very strong kind of thing. It's also the actual structural integrity of your muscles itself are affected. So collagen 12A1 is the collagen that they believe is responsible for myopathic EDS, EDS. Sorry, There are some overlaps, so there's some other collagens that may come into play, but 12A1 is the, or collagen 12, is the one that is primarily responsible for it. Now, collagen 12A1 is obviously a collagen. It affects your skeletal muscle. So that's obviously the muscles that are throughout your body. But it also affects how it connects to other proteins like decorin, cartilage, oglometric matrix protein, that's a four-dollar word, uh, fibromodulin, and tennyson. Now, tennyson, if you're familiar with EDS or have been done some research, you probably have heard Tennyson or TNXB talking about uh, classic-like EDS and also popping up in some other different variations. Um, so they're actually the ones, so that's the thing, the way it connects to other proteins is also a problem. So that can cause you problems in all different facets of your body, not just your muscles, but it is primarily the way it affects muscles that clar- that is classified within myopathic EDS. Now I should take a moment too to say, I'm very sorry about how I may pronounce some of these things. Most of the things that I'm talking about, I've read and not heard. So I'm assuming <laughs> how they're pronounced. I'm pretty sure on Tennyson, uh, the cartilage sort of four-dollar matrix protein. Um, I'm guessing on that one. So do do give me a pass, please. Uh, I should also mention too, which I probably should have started at the top of the at the top of the talk. I am not a doctor. I'm just a really, really curious nerd. <laughs> so I've done a lot of reading on this for my own interest, uh, and I'll get to why later. 
but please don't take anything I'm telling you here as this is medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm not in any way medically trained. I've just done a lot of reading of medical journals. So I will link all of the journals that I talk to. I don't know whether the information will come up in the blurb after the podcast that you see on Apple and Spotify, but it will be available where you see it uh, on my blog post. Okay, so if you want any further or deep dive, if you're a real nerd like me and you like reading science journals, I will link all of them in the information. So moving on. Now, collagen 12A1 variations, they can be dominant or recessive. So autosomal dominant or recessive. Now, what that means is how you receive that variation. So a dominant variation is received when only one parent has that genetic variation themselves. A recessive variant happens when you have two parents with that variant because it is, even though it's a recessive gene, it's strong enough that two parents both have it. Now, to this point, as, as, as I go to where now, the recessive gene uh, so the, the, the people that have it with uh, myopathic EDS with a recessive capture tend to have far more severe myopathic EDS. To date, the dominant uh, so the dominant conditions tend to be not quite as severe. Okay, so that's that's just where we stand at the moment. So I'm just looking at my notes. I've got piles and piles of journals and notes all around me. So I do apologise if I jump all over the place. But I want to make sure I get as much information to you as I can. Like I said, I'm not a doctor and there is actually very limited amounts of information on this condition, which is another reason why I wanted to focus on it, because there is so little known. We need to get more out there so that more 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 people can find this information. So when we're talking about the major criteria of myopathic EDS, the number one criteria for diagnosing myopathic EDS is congenital muscle hypertonia and or muscle atrophy that improves with, improves with age. So congenital muscle hypertonia, so congenital is born with, muscle hypertonia is weak muscles or poor muscle structure. Um, that can also be seen particularly when, when people are babies. Uh, you'll notice the baby, what they call floppy baby syndrome, so a baby that sort of doesn't hold itself up, tends to sort of hang when it's held. Um and also muscle atrophy is talking about muscles that have wasted. So muscle, muscle loss of muscle mass, um, notice that could be visual or just sort of able to be tested, that improves with age. Now, in both of the cases of muscle hypertonia and muscle atrophy, they can improve with age, as I understand it. Now, I think in cases where it's recessive, where the person has a really severe case, that may not be as, the prognosis for that may not be as positive, but in, in dominant cases, it seems that you can sort of overcome that to a degree. So that's good news. Um, that's That criteria is kind of like the make or break of, of meds, so myopathic EDS. That's what sets it apart from the other types of EDS. That criteria is non-negotiable. You can't sort of have, oh, well, I have three others, or that is the one that sort of says loud and proud that that is myopathic EDS. So a lot of you, a lot of the different uh, criteria for EDSs will overlap. And that would, to me, again, not a doctor, but that would, to me, suggest that you definitely have some sort of connective tissue issue. The fact that it's if involving muscle hypertonia or muscle atrophy suggests that meds 
is more likely. If you don't have muscle hypertonia or muscle atrophy, meds is probably less likely. Um, The second major criteria is proximal joint contractures. So that's your knee, your hip, and your elbow. Contractures are a tightening of the muscle. So it can, it can be something quite obvious and, and sort of even from birth, or it can be something that sort of sneaks up on you and you don't really notice until you're realizing that that joint doesn't have a natural range of motion anymore. Now, I'm not talking about the fact that you've lost hypermobility because those of us with hypermobility, that does naturally tighten as we age, which actually, oddly enough, is a problem because it tightens more than the natural range of people with regular joints. But with uh, proximal joint contractures, you notice that that tightening happens sort of earlier, but also seems to attack the knee, hip and elbow. Okay, the other major criteria is hypermobility of distal joints. So your distal joints are your your feet, your ankles, your wrists, and your hands. Uh, they that's again very common to go across many types of EDS. The main one that really sets meds apart is the muscle hypertonia or muscle atrophy. So there's also minor criteria, and a lot of these will probably sound fairly familiar. There's like soft, doughy skin, uh, atrophic scarring motor developmental delay, and myopathy on a muscle biopsy. So this one, this is one of those uh, pathological tests that you can have done where you can actually take a biopsy of the muscle and the the muscle structure under the microscope will actually look different to normal muscle. So that can certainly diagnose muscular um, problems with your muscles, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee a diagnosis of myopathic EDS. There are lots of conditions that have muscle problems as part of their makeup. There's, um, I did have it written down here somewhere, now I've gone blank. Uh, There's muscular dystrophy. Sorry, excuse my notifications in the background, I forgot to silence. Um, There's there's a whole bunch of, of conditions that have that as a facet of it. The only surefire way to diagnose myopathic EDS is the genetic variant on collagen 12A1. So moving on to genetic variants in collagen 12A1. So when you have genetic testing done and they test that collagen, like often you'll get connective tissue pan- panels through different genetic testing places. Um, one of the genes that they will test is your, tw- is your collagen 12A1. If you have a noted variant on that, that will confirm myopathic EDS. Now I say noted variant because it's not just if you have a variant in collagen 12, you have myopathic EDS. To date, there's only sort of a dozen or so types of um, variants that they're actually calling a variant that causes myopathic EDS. There are other conditions that have variants in collagen 12, like Bethlehem myopathy. I did have it somewhere else. Where are we? Hang on. I've got it here. Uh, Bethlehem myopathy... Uh, oh gosh, I'm going to try. Ulrich congenital muscular dystrophy. Uh, and of course, obviously, myopathic EDS. Now, to date, they're not saying that any variant means that you have myopathic EDS. Now, when I got my genetic material tested to rule out anything severe, I had a variant in collagen 9, which was a variant of unknown significance. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, that is linked to things that can cause problems with your spine and things like that, which I do have problems with my spine. So that may end up being, that may bear fruit later. And I also had a variant of unknown significance in my collagen 12. 
Now, variants of unknown significance, the bane of anyone who's ever had genetic testing done, is kind of like a giant question mark. It's like something was different. We don't know if that different is bad. So when you have a variant in your genetic material, you can have something that's either pathogenic, meaning it's problematic, it's causing a problem, or you can have something that's benign. Now, benign obviously means no problem, random variant, things like, um, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head, which isn't going well, but anyway, something that's not going to cause you problems, right? A pathogenic variant will cause you problems. Now, when it comes to collagen 12 and myopathic EDS, they don't know for sure what variants do and don't cause myopathic EDS. Now, as someone like myself, I don't present classically as someone with myopathic EDS. I had poor muscle tone as a child, but it didn't impact my ability to walk or my motor development. Uh, I haven't had muscle atrophy, but I do have a very poor grip strength, very poor upper muscular strength, things like that. So that could just simply be because I have been plagued with horrific allergies basically my entire life. Uh, asthma, severe asthma since I was 20, I've never been able to run. My joints would fall out of socket if I tried to run. So it's hard to know for sure whether my muscular issues are from lack of use or if they actually have structural issues. Now, the only way to confirm or deny that would be to get a muscle biopsy, which I haven't done yet. Uh, it is something that I'm interested in doing, but I cannot stress enough, and I'm sure many of you can agree, we are piling up doctors like Pokemon. Like, it's crazy. It is crazy. I have seven specialists, which is absolutely insane. Uh, and every time I see one, they tell me to see a different specialist. So obviously I need to stop going because they keep telling me to see other doctors. But it's it ranks so low on the list that it's not a major concern of mine at this time because it doesn't affect me enough to take a place on the list ahead of something like, why do I get chronic migraines? Ironically, muscular issues could end up being why I have chronic migraines. Who knows? But that's that's for the future. Um so I find that very fascinating. So variants of unknown significance are really annoying and they're almost worse than not having genetic testing at all, in my opinion, because now I know that there's something different. I don't know if that different is bad. It's like, is that, is that, is that variation? Is that the answer? You know, is that why I have what I have? I don't know. So I'm hoping that when we raise more awareness, see what I did there, of EDS and particularly myopathic EDS, more research is conducted, hopefully we're able to actually find out in the future whether or not these variants are pathogenic. Now, there's very limited research on myopathic EDS, which is one of the reasons why I chose to do this podcast on meds as well as the fact that it's potentially possibly something I may have. Um, because... In all the research, I don't know if you're a science nerd like me, I, I dig deep into Google Scholar and don't stop until I have a pile of, of printed journals. There's surprisingly little research on myopathic EDS. Um, one of the doctor's names that keeps coming up that I've found, particularly through the Ehlers Danlos Society, is Dr. Fleur Van Dyke. Oh, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing their last name wrong because I've only seen it written, not said. Um, 
she's doing some really great research and I think she's actually just started to do some more research through the Ehlers Danlos Society through their grant program. I'm not sure of that. I heard that and now I can't find it written anywhere to, <laughs> to link it. So I could be wrong. That could be a fever dream, but I'm pretty sure there's more research underway, which is fantastic because uh, it's a much needed, like a very, very, it's such an empty space, the research on myopathic EDS. Um, so that's what myopathic EDS is, and that's what it involves. When it comes to um, my variant specifically, the reason that I, I suspect that maybe meds might be something I have, even though I don't have it severely enough to be obvious in clinical settings. So clinical settings is where a doctor will look at you and go, yes, you have a broken arm, and x-ray is a test that confirms it. So in this case, I don't clinically present as having myopathic EDS. I clearly have hypermobility. I clearly have connective tissue issues. As to the cause of those, we're not sure. Uh, there is apparently a candidate gene now found for hypermobile EDS. Um, we're still waiting on information to come out about that. That It may turn out that that is something that I have. We don't know for sure. Uh, but that's why I have this interest in, in Collagen 12, because I have some sort of disturbance in the force there. So as to whether or not um, it's on the side of the Jedi or the Sith, we don't know. So that's a lot of Star Wars references for you. So this will actually be coming out on May the 4th. So I didn't realise I did that when I <laughs> when I made that, that joke. So there you go. I just, how clever am I? I'll be over here. But something that I found really interesting in my research is the variation that I've got is, let me look at it, I've got it written down here because this is, this is a lot of information. I've got a variation where, where are we? I can see it written, I've lost it, there we go. So the sequence change replaces glutamic acid, which is acidic and polar, with aspartic acid, which is acidic and polar, right? So that's the change that I have. Now, that's not known to be significant. However, in my research, I've found uh, some research out of Korea. I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce the surnames of the doctors. I will link this again in the, in the information on my blog post. And the title of that paper is Substitution of Aspartic Acid with Glutamic Acid Increases the Unfolding Transition Temperature of a Protein. Now, from my other research, apparently when you increase the temperature of a protein, it breaks down. So that to me would suggest pathogenic. So this is what made me think that maybe this is somewhere to continue the research, as it were. I also found this paragraph here in, this is called A Critical View on Conservative Mutations by Harold Johnson and Stefan Peterson. Again, I'll link all of these in the blog post. But this uh, little note in this paragraph here uh, sort of got me interested in collagen 12 it said the common belief that glutamic acid to aspartic mutation is conservative is contrary to the observations shown so that to me suggests that even though that variation is not known to be pathogenic at this time it's not a benign variation so whether or not that is responsible for my connective tissue issues remains to be seen but I've I find that very interesting and that's what puts my antenna up when I do hear about myopathic EDS and also why I wanted to focus on it for this podcast uh something else that I found where are we I'm looking around my notes I, I seriously I'm buried under notes like a little little bookworm 
I found something else interesting and I wanted to point it out and I've gone blank. Oh yeah, sorry, here we go. So the other papers that I've found uh, have been talking about the effect on tendon function, uh, distal myopathy. Uh, where are we? What was that one? That's about actual variations, more variations. So these are talking about the actual written up cases of myopathic EDS. Uh, oh yes, that was another thought, one I thought interesting as well was that uh, variations in collagen 12 have been linked to uh, keratoconus, which is the basically your cone eyeball. So in, in Kai, 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 Kai Foscolotic EDS, good Lord, sorry, KEDS, as, as it's also known, K-E-D-S, um, part of that affects your eyes and gives you what they call keratoconus, which is your eyeball actually shapes more to a point. So it actually changes the shape of your eye and affects your eyesight. Apparently that's also a problem with collagen 12, that it's shown that people with keratoconus actually have no collagen 12 in their eye where they're supposed to have it. So interesting overlap. And this is one of the things that I find really fascinating with all these different types of EDS is that they're so alike and yet so different. And you'll see, you know, this one has this and this has that, but at the heart, they're all very similar in that connective tissue isn't functioning the way it's supposed to. So the fact that we have, I think there's now 14, I can't remember what the 14th new one is, but there's 14 variants of EDS currently diagnosed. Now, each one of those, no, no one of them is is sort of worse than the other. I mean, arguably, VEDS or vascular EDS is worse because it does actually bring with it the potential for death with arterial rupture and things like that, which, you know, these other ones generally don't don't have as a feature. But you could have, like, say, for example, if you have classical EDS, you could have classical EDS that doesn't affect you too badly, or you could have classical EDS that really affects you, that you have a lot of systemic problems. So the fact that there's a range within that classification leads me to wonder whether there is also a range within myopathic EDS. So you have everything from say someone like myself who at the the bottom end of the range has you know weak but fairly functional muscle tone uh, a lot of connective tissue and, and EDS type markers and then at the other end of the spectrum you'll have people with like recessive myopathic EDS that may not even be able to walk even into adulthood so whether or not there is actually a spectrum range within the actual classification itself is something that I'm really interested in seeing if that bears out. Um, we certainly know that there's a range within hypermobile EDS and hypermobility spectrum disorder that it's not that one is better or worse than the other. You can have hypermob excuse me, hypermobile EDS and maybe not even know until a doctor points it out and they go, maybe this is the reason you have this problem. And you go, oh, how about that? Carry on with your day. And you could even have hypermobile spectrum disorder and be massively affected symptomatically. So it's not that any one of them present worse necessarily than the other. It's that it depends on how it affects you, but that's the lane in which your car is driving, if that makes sense. So I find that really fascinating. So again, I, I, I know I kind of threw a lot of science junk at you and I hope you could keep up with it. I do really find uh, science and genetics very, very interesting 
I do have a vested interest in sort of following on with the news with connective tissue disorders, particularly with anything to do with collagen 9 or 12, since I know I have some sort of problem there. Um, Do you have a variant in collagen 12? Have you had a genetic confirmation of your EDS or some other type of genetic disorder? Have you been given the dreaded variation of unknown significance? I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, I'd sure love to hear some more about anyone who has uh, myopathic EDS. I'm actually part of a Facebook group for people that have variations in collagen 12, some of whom have been diagnosed with meds, most have not. Uh, that's a great place to sort of hang out and sort of everybody keeps up to date with what's what's coming out, what what research projects have been started. Actually, that's where I think I heard it. That's where I think I heard about Dr. Van Dyke's uh, research. I'm pretty sure that's where I heard it. So I can't share that because it's with inside a private group. So <laughs> uh, we'll have to just I'll keep you up to date as I find anything like that. But I find this I find this really fascinating, and I'm I'm grateful that you're here with me today. I hope you've learned a little something about myopathic EDS. I would love to know if I'm pronouncing any of these words incorrectly because, like I said, I've only read them. I haven't heard them spoken, so I have to sort of take a leap of faith and hope I'm getting it right. But <laughs> So thank you so much for your patience. And next time we will be – I'm just looking at what's the next one I've got. I've got a list here. Ah, cool. So the next the next podcast is tomorrow. So that's warning signs of a symptom flare. So – Symptom flares are where something sort of sparks to life. So we'll be talking about how I personally know that it's about to go down. <laughs> um, I, I do have minor symptoms day to day, but I do get flares of things just sort of turning up to 11. Um, I know some of the things that trigger that. Sometimes it just whammies me for no apparent reason. Um, and also how I'm able to deal with that as best I can. So I hope you join me for that as well. Uh, as I've said, I'm going to be trying to follow along with the uh, Illus Dental Society's prompts for this uh, vis- uh, EDS Awareness Month, which is May. Some of the prompts don't make sense as blog posts, uh, like Point to Your Pain, for example, which is coming up on the 13th. Very hard to point to something on a podcast. You'll have to take my word for it. So that's the sort of thing that that's visual. But where I can, I'm going to try and put together a blog post, uh, sorry, well, yeah, blog post, but also a podcast around it that gives you far more in-depth information, allows me to talk about it at more length, uh, spares me about 60 pages of typing. Um, so, yeah, I hope you'll, I'll hope you'll hang in there with me. So thank you so much for joining me today, guys, and I will see you tomorrow. Bye for now.